so much for listening to Pushing Praxis, Dialogues for Transforming Teaching. This is a podcast with Celeste and Ina, where we talk with educators, organizers, students, parents, and all stakeholders in the education of our young people. We're here to push ourselves to take theories and put them into practice in our classrooms, even and especially when it gets messy. Also, we're full-time educators, not professional podcasters. We're recording these conversations during the socially distanced pandemic, often on weeknights and from our respective homes. So expect background noise and fatigue and real unpolished human complexities showing up in these conversations. We're here to transform ourselves and our listeners through dialogues, So come along for the ride with us. Just a few years ago, Javier Payano was Elena Hong's music teacher. In this interview, we learn about how Javier invited Elena and her peers to bring their authentic selves into the music classroom through the lens of human values. Helena now continues this work in her post-secondary studies so that more young people get an education that acknowledges and celebrates all parts of who they are. They present a welcome departure from educational models based on industrialization and colonization. Javier and Elena invite us all to experience learning in a fuller, more humanizing way through music, community, and joy. Listen to both the student and teacher perspectives in this grounding conversation with Javier and Elena. Welcome to Pushing Praxis. Uh, Welcome, Javier and Elena. Um, And we're happy um, to have you today um, to talk about how um, you take care of yourself um, in the classroom um, when you're learning and thinking about your full self as a person, as a teacher, and also as a student. Um, and music, as music to my ears, because I also played uh, the trombone uh, in high school and I was in the marching band and the jazz band. And so I'm excited to hear about how um, your music class, Javier, helped Elena um, when she was at in school. So, um, I want you to introduce yourselves, um, how you want our audience to know you. Um, and so I'll, I don't know who wants to go first. Um, I guess I will go first. Hi, my name is Elena Huang. I use they, them, their pronouns. And I am currently a junior at North Park University studying for a Bachelor of Arts in Music. And I'm also pursuing a certificate in Music for Social Change and Human Values. Uh, my main instrument is the viola, but I also uh, actually learned ukulele from Javier in high school, and I just started learning guitar last year. Um, I guess my main thing with music is that I love doing a little bit of everything, uh, both performing and teaching, and also just creating in whatever way that I can. I'm very passionate in particular about collaboration with other students and fellow musicians, because I think that we can build so much community through music. And yeah, that's kind of my main jam right now. Thank you. Thank you for introducing yourself. Okay, Javier. Yes, thank you so much for having us. My name's Javier, he, him. And I am a Chicago native, uh, born in Chicago, raised in Chicago, also in the Dominican Republic, New York, Miami, long story long. Um, I have been teaching for 11 years in Chicago schools, 
Um, the first couple of years, I was involved in creating a youth orchestra after school program called the Yours Project, um, which was a program inspired by a program in, El in, in Venezuela called El Sistema. Um, and the idea was free music, free music classes, specifically orchestra for our students, um, free instruments, you know, everything for free. And so I, I really specialized in this music for social change um, kind of movement that was happening. Um, and yeah, 10 years later, I'm teaching in Chicago public schools. And I'm also the co-founder of the Human Values Collective. Thank you so much, uh, both of you, for being here. We're thrilled for this conversation tonight. And um, uh, just like a quick follow-up question up here: Did you did you go to Venezuela, or was it the like dissemination of those ideas from that country that got you here? Yeah. So one of my friends went to uh, it's Youth Orchestra of the Americas. So that was another program where people from all over the Americas gathered together to play music and they went on a tour and they stopped in Venezuela and they saw they basically saw grade school children playing Beethoven's Fifth Symphony like at a masterful Dang. level and they were like Dang. what is happening <laughs> wow. what's going on here so um wow and then they met yeah they yeah. met um the leaders of the program and they they basically talk about the intense training it is intense it's two hours every day after school in mm -hmm. venezuela specifically um students show up and do sunday as well for mm -hmm. a full five hours and things like that and it starts when they're very young and then when the older kids graduate they come back and then they become the teachers and for a lot of towns in venezuela and other um, areas the the orchestra becomes the thing to do in the town Wow. So it's really this community driven thing. There's a lot of pride in it. There's a lot of, um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of passion towards it. And it almost, to me, reinvigorated my love for music, you know? Mm. Wow. That sounds Ooh. awesome. I mean, I couldn't imagine yeah. seeing uh, kids, you know, play like that. Um, and I know how hard it is to learn how to play an instrument. Um, and so I'm like, that's really awesome. And the parents that endure too, because I remember my mom was all like, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so yes, um, I, that sounds wonderful. I, I would love to go and see um, something like that. So thank you for um, letting us know um, about your, yeah. about Venezuela and what you're trying to bring here too, right? So. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I, I think, I feel like this has echoes of things that you've told me in the past, but I don't think I knew, I've known you, Javier, for mm. a few years, and I don't think I knew that particular detail. So I'm so grateful for that context and kind of also this like internationalist perspective that's brought into this conversation too. Um, uh, I And um, I want to just also preface things by saying like part of the reason why we were um, – when we were thinking about this season, we were thinking about um, what we need as educators right now, um, uh, based on our lived experience, both Nina and myself, and also what we know to be true among our colleagues and friends um, who are also educators, and what we see with our students. Um, and so our theme is really about healing and joy. 
Uh, and I have to be, <laughs> I have to be honest, when I first thought of this, I was like, bing, I know who I'm going to invite. <laughs> like, um, and it was you, Mr. Bayano, um, because, uh, you know, I think, um, uh, you have a way of bringing those things into your classroom on a daily basis. And this is like pre-pandemic, you were consistently focused on healing and joy and what that looks like and not in a whitewashed way and not in a like, let's just do SEL and check that box way, but in a very critical way as well. Um, and so I guess that context of what you um, witnessed through those like international efforts uh, is very informative. It kind of is like, oh, that's, I see what your grounding is. Um, uh, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit more uh, for folks who don't know you and don't have the privilege to work with you. Um, can you describe your work uh, as an educator? Um, yeah. Can you describe your work as a music educator, what that looks like? Yes. Um, and that was a great setup, by the way, Celeste. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, beca because I, I, it is, as you say, it is grounded in this, which we could say is music for social change. This idea of... Elena's yes. concentration. Yes, yes exactly, exactly. <laughs> is that music, not, you know, I want to say just music, but, but music in particular has these certain qualities that... Um, propagate social transformation. And I think what I started to notice with um, our teacher, Tom Zell, who was, he was my teacher as well as a, as an orchestra student at North Park where Elena goes to school right now. Um, it, it was as if the orchestra was a microcosm of the world where different musicians you know, had to all come play their part. They had to work really hard to play their music well, they had to be harmonious, they had to listen to each other, right? So there we start to see what we could traditionally call family values, let's say, that we, we have this word family values. Um, so, so it was based on of this mu music for social change, that was kind of the impetus of that. So I always went into the classroom as like, the point of music is to help people to, to know themselves, to, to think critically, to have emotional intelligence, to learn about new people, places, and things, to heal, and and to share and enjoy life. And then so my perspective became the most important thing for us is to enjoy life and to help other people enjoy life. So I kind of went into the classroom with that um, and I think I had a difficult time knowing how to speak about it. And then when I reconnected with my professor, Tom Zell, I discovered through him the program that was called Human Values Education. This program um, is in, on a very basic level. It's about taking one positive human characteristic or human value and practicing that with the students every week. Mm. And a really incredible way to do that is through singing together. So if, for example, the value of the week is patience, then the song would be patience, 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 patience is the key, patience is the key. 
or if students were struggling with judging themselves, then we can sing the self-compassion song. Mm. Self-compassion, self-compassion, I always first give love to me. Wow. And there's something, there's something magical and transformative that happens when someone sings songs like this over and over again, because really you're connecting with something in your body. In a, in, in a system, in an institution where everything is up in your head. Mm. And then we wonder why so many of us are struggling because we're disconnected from our deeper selves. So I would say in a nutshell, that's my approach as not just a music teacher, but as a teacher in general. It's not just music. There's a couple other components, including storytelling, including a, a version of meditation and things like that. So... There's more, there's more to it to adapt to different classrooms, but I think that's in general my approach is I'm very concerned um, with the internal world of students. Wow. And, and I want to help them to bring that out. When you sung those two songs, just that little bit, it, it really touched me, right? And so I couldn't imagine being in the, in the school, in high school, and a teacher kind of centering my experience and and saying, "Hey, you know, let's think about what how how you're feeling and what what should be our word today or this week," mm-hmm. and and making that you know internalized in, intentional thing to like focus on that. That's that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. Uh, it's just like a little vignette because I've not been your student, Javier, and I really want to hear from Elena and like my experience of you like completely changing, helping us, helping people change like how they arrive in a space was when we, (laughs) during the pandemic, uh, when we were all remote and we were doing organizing um, in our school around our union um, and trying to support each other, we had a Google meet and we all know how deadening Google meets are. And like how, how, especially like in the middle of like, you know, 2020, it was just like hard. People got on this Google meet. We had like maybe 60 people and Javier started seeing this little light of mine. I think it was that. And it was like, all of a sudden people were like, Hey, like, it's just like there was a life to the to the moment and that was just over you know google meets so i have like little glimpses of experience of what you're talking about mm. and like feel very inspired by what you just said mm. also would love to hear it and i know um i don't know i don't know how many years out you are elena mm-hmm. but i would love to hear your experience on the flip side of that what it was like to be in the classroom as uh have your students yes uh where should i start with that there's quite a lot, so <laughs> whatever moves you. Start at the start beginning. You want. Okay. There you go. Yes. So I think the very first time I actually had Javi as a teacher was before I think you formally started um, introducing students to education and human values. I think just naturally, you're the kind of person who's very human centered to begin with, um, and you care so much about your students. You just see you know, the light in all of them just very naturally. And I think you do see yourself in every single one of your students just right off the bat, which was so wonderful. Um, I particularly had a very difficult time when I started high school. Um, I did not have a fun time um, throughout schooling when I was younger. Uh, I'm a Chicago native, so I did grow up in Chicago and I have been in, I was in CPS um, pretty much my entire life. 
So my education when I was much younger before high school was all focused on trying to get you to college because I, I actually grew up in Chinatown. So the goal of many families, including mine, is just to survive and, you know, to get you through college so you can be successful. But I don't think anyone really ever talked about this idea that you can just be yourself and you can make your own happiness just by simply being you. You always have to be something else. And I felt like I was not meeting a lot of the expectations that my parents had. And I just felt very silenced in a way, I think, because I couldn't really be myself. So I met Javier my freshman year of high school through orchestra. Um, it was my very first music program that I had ever done. I had never been in an orchestra before. And I think the very first day you were so excited. Um, you were trying to talk to all your students individually and then it was just a wonderful time. You talked a lot about the passion in the music and just the story behind all of the composers that we were playing like Beethoven and Tchaikovsky and all these other people. And I had never seen music that way before, I suppose. Um, just talking about the stories behind the people and just recognizing, I guess, people as human. I think that was the very beginning of it. Um, and then at some point, I think my freshman year, you were talking about your own story and your own struggles that you had in high school, which really touched a lot of people's hearts, including mine, because it felt like you actually saw us more than just as, you know, a number or like another student, like you actually, in a way with sharing your own story, you saw the story of like the 40 of us that were in your class. So I thought that was pretty amazing. My kind of just was the very beginning too. I think you continued that throughout the next three years that we got to work with each other. And the more classes I um, ended up taking with you, it was like the same thing, but times 10. So it was wonderful to grow with you in this journey of just um, reconnecting to ourselves. It was just really nice. I love you. Love you too. <laughs> I receive all of your saying and thank you. Um, man, uh, oof, it's just what a, um, it's uh, hard to put words to like how powerful um, it is to witness the connection that you all were able to build um, and to think about <laughs> You know, in this moment, it's, uh, you know, toward the end of January and um, it's been kind of a chaotic semester uh, and we're toward the end and it has not felt to me like a very humanizing week and to hear you all, much less semester, mm. <laughs> but like to hear, it feels very inspiring to reorient to um, our purpose mm. and yeah, um, I have I have a couple questions, and I also want to give Nina space if you have questions before I jump in. Yeah, I was just listening to, and um, it's you know it's it's good to like revisit and remember, like like Celeste said, in this trying time, that in person um, contact that you and building relationships with your students that you feel uninterrupted by you know uh, COVID. <laughs> so uh, it's yeah. like. Wow, you know, just I, I, it took me back and like, oh, that's that's how it used to be <laughs> when we mm. we were able to really think and think about connecting with your students, um, uh, in a way that meant something and not in a way where you feel rushed and hurried. Um, 
to get through a topic or a unit or whatever because you don't know how many kids are going to stand in front of stay in front of you remote. <laughs> and so just listening to you describe your experience Elena I I just I just it, I was just like oh this is wonderful um and that's that's what school used to be like um <laughs> so it's really good to hear that and um and know that uh, uh Javier you took time to like really take the time to to know your students and to tell your students about who you are and what your struggles are. Um, and I think that that's really critical. Um, even before this moment happened, um, we all should be willing to share our lives with students because we are, you know, developing some type of relationship with them, whether we like it or not, um, when we're teaching. And I just think that, you know, I don't have a question. I'm just um, thinking about, you know, what y'all saying and I'm just excited to uh, learn more about what happened uh, in your class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of want to um, dig in a little bit more to the idea of human values, um, because I know this is really prominent uh, in your practice, Javier. And I know, Elena, it's something that you are like really diving into um, in your post-secondary work. Um, and I... <laughs> I kind of want to, um, I know that you have your like critical in your analysis of like accessibility in education and um, whose narratives are centered and uh, who gets access to what. And Elena, I know you were talking before we started recording about your own experience of barriers and like what was or was not accessible to you at different times in your life. Um, and I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what it looks like to do that human values work, um, but not in a way that flattens Mm. all of the people in your room, Mm. right? Because if we teach uh, in, for example, our selective enrollment school, we have some students who um, qualify for free or reduced lunch or, you know, uh, struggle to afford like a new pair of shoes or whatever it might be. Um, and we also have students who, you know, uh, whose folks donate lots of money to the school. Like there's so without flattening um, the, the circumstances that we're in, without erasing the fact that white supremacy is part of our context and classism and racism um, are real. And, you know, uh, I know you talk a lot about all of these things. And I wonder if you could talk about um, the intersections of that critical work that you do fearlessly with your students um, in some ways that I'm like, I'm so glad you're tenured, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like, you know, the, the universality of your human values work. Yes. Thank you, Celeste. What immediately came up for me is safety. Is everyone in school deserves to feel safe. And I think that 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 specifically that phrase for me came out of the cops out CPS organizing that we did. Um, and I look at the classroom and I try to think of like who who feel who feels safe here, who doesn't feel safe, because that's number one on the hierarchy of needs, right? Mm-hmm. And. I answer this question of like, how do I make my classroom safe for everyone? 
And I think that doing this weekly work of presenting a positive human value creates a safe environment because it's an environment where it's safe to express goodness. I'm inviting students to express their, their goodness, their humanity, their kindness, their care, their compassion. And I feel like other classes potentially are, are not safe, are not conducive, do not inspire kindness. And I think there's something about standing at the front of the classroom at the beginning of the year and say, dear students, these are human values and we're going to practice one every single week we're together. I think it's a human right for students to be able to access the goodness that's within them. And one of the tenets of education and human values is that every single person, no matter what, has that goodness in, in them. When I start to bring this over to a, a critical lens, for me, the, the simplest way to do that as a music teacher was always uplifting music, musician activists. And it's interesting that today I was just talking about Bob Marley and I played the Redemption song. Mm. And play the song and as is with human values, I don't immediately tell the students what to think. I say, hey, what did you take out of the song? Think, pair, share, and then they share out. And most students focused on this line, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our own mind, which is actually a quote from Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey said something like, other people can free our body, but none but ourselves can free our own mind. So it was a direct quote. So it tells us what Bob Marley was thinking, what he was reading, and his ultimate message of, yeah, we want to free our bodies, but also we want to free our minds. And then we take in the context that Bob Marley was specifically speaking to and trying to reach the American black audience. And he did. Mm. And this is one example of something that someone can create as a gift to the world to point the finger at oppressive systems so that we have the critical eye enough to say, okay, this part is me. I have to work on myself. But that part over there, that's y'all's mess over there. Mm. How, how are we going to get this fixed? Yes. And I think it's very powerful for our students to know the difference. Part, part of this experience is what I have to work on with myself to unlearn these, these limitations in my mind, to, 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 to have mental liberation. And then, okay, now how do we at the same time we look around and we see and we start the work of organizing to liberate each other? Because none of us will be free until we end slavery. Um, and, and that for me starts this conversation in the beginning of the year so that when 
a national crisis happens or the 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 murder of a black person at the hands of the police happens i already have this built in that we're we're going to talk about this and the reason that we're going to talk about this is because we always come back to what is what is the point what is the purpose is to enjoy life and help others enjoy life to have humanity and to make space for other people to have their humanity too and that is our is that's our guide for everything else that comes after that and to bring it back to the safety piece is after we've had these tough conversations in class i've had students particularly students of color come up to me and say thank you mr payano for having that conversation in class i, I feel in in a way they were saying i feel safer now in class mm -hmm. because we had that conversation we're not having that conversation in any of other other of my classes mm -hmm. and so I understand and I've heard from other teachers so much is like I don't have time to talk about that or I'm not trained to talk about that and I understand that too because part of it is being told do SEL with your students oh but don't don't talk don't talk too much about CRT though mm -hmm. you know so it's just like I I appreciate that teachers are in a hard place um but it it as as we've been called to by incredible black women educators and authors is we need to teach to transgress we need to be willing to get in trouble um Bettina Love said pedagogy without the teacher that is willing to challenge oppressive systems is useless mm. so that's always been something that's inspired me to push forward in that in that way but i i think it's just coming back to this everyone deserves humanity everyone deserves to feel safe and cared for now how can we make that happen wow that's that was pretty powerful i, I want to be in your third year uh, music class this is <laughs> this is awesome and uh, i just wanted to let everybody know when you said uh CRT you were talking about critical race theory that's correct. Yeah, so we're we're not afraid to say that on here. <laughs> nope, I didn't think so. <laughs> hey, we gotta say critical race theory on here. Um, that that was wow. So, uh, Elena, um, as a student and in, in, in class, I mean, I don't know if you had this moment to listen to Bob Marley, but do you recall like having a moment where you kind of listened to a song and kind of can you kind of share with us like one of your like experiences with this? Oh, yes. Um, let's see, there's so much I need to figure out where to start. But I think the I did actually get to um, dive into human values in high school. That was kind of where I started, actually, uh, mostly with Javier as our um, original guide for how to get started into it. So we were kind of learning with him. But I think what I found so appealing from it was just that it taught me to or it encouraged me to look inside myself and kind of take off all of these layers that society has kind of put onto me that I didn't even realize I was carrying. Um, and the biggest thing as well was that human values wasn't trying to necessarily teach you something or like, you know, indoctrinate or do any of those things. It was always more of an invitation to try to learn about it and to participate in it rather than requirements so 
I think that resonated with a lot of students because, you know, like in school, you're always taught that you have to do this or you have to do that. But um, I think it was so important to even just take a minute per day, like just one minute per class to acknowledge all of these very human things that are happening around the world. And, you know, all of these feelings that students have, um, even at a school like Lane Tech, um, uh, there are a lot of students of color and a lot of the time our voices are never really acknowledged. So I think just having, you know, our feelings acknowledged was very important and being able to play songs like Bob Marley talking about freedom and just having those things there um, present with us, not even um, talking about it, just having it there was so important, just being present. So I think that was uh, what really made a big impact in my high school experience. Um, just having a single person there to talk about it was so powerful. And so I, I have, I oh, I'll go ahead, Celeste. No, you go for it. Anyway. Yeah, I, I'm just, wow. So, so are you saying, I, I just want to make sure I understand like kind of how, how, how this is set up in your class, uh, Javier. So you're saying basically, you know, at the beginning of class, is it like, uh, uh, um, you know how they call it do nows, bell ringers, and it's for that moment, or or um, do you carry it through? I just, just can you explain, like, kind of like, uh, yes. uh, what if I walked in your class at eight o'clock or whatever, whatever time you start teaching, can you just kind of yes. walk us through it a little bit so that I can kind of understand how deep this goes into the lesson? Absolutely. So, um, we we have one human value each week. So for example, the value of the week this week is freedom. Uh, happy MLK Day, everyone. Um, the value yes. is freedom. The, then there's five teaching techniques. And what I try to do is do one for five minutes at the beginning of class every day. So on Monday, hello everybody, welcome. Welcome back to ukulele class. Uh, the value of the mm -hmm. week is freedom. And then the thought of the week is I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Um, and we take uh, 30 seconds for silent sitting, which is the meditative aspect. But instead of a guided meditation, it can be guided, but the, the idea is, is you sit silently because the goal is to tune into your own inner wisdom. We could mm -hmm. say our, our heart intelligence mm -hmm. and, to, and to start making a connection with that, that inner relationship to create that coherence between head, heart, and hands. So what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and what you're doing, which bring, that's what brings us peace. Um, and then Tuesday, I'll have a story and the story relates back to freedom. Mm -hmm. And then Wednesday, we'll have the song, redemption song that relates back to freedom. And then Thursday, there's a group activity. You know, everyone, let's do a freedom dreaming journal. Everyone, let's mm. write down what would your wildest dreams be if you had no limits in your life. So then the idea is that throughout the week, we have... Um, resonated in our body with that value because it's not like i'm teaching you freedom it's it's we're all making a space where we're gonna resonate with that 
value of freedom with that frequency of freedom and then bring it out of us into the world, bring that, that uh, energy out into the mm. world. And so by the time we make it through the week, practicing it in all these different ways, oh, I felt the value intellectually, I felt the value emotionally, I felt the value physically. And it's just like to, to, to have this holistic approach of like, again, not just intellectually knowing what is freedom, what is that word, how, what's the definition, but how does it feel in my body? And so that looks like a very short, you know, thing every day. It could be even, we can say the value of the week together every day at the beginning. Or we can sing the song. It, it, it really depends on the week. It depends on, you know, it's adaptable to whatever's going on really but but try to keep it to that first five minutes because we gotta you know we gotta teach music but it's beautiful that when things come up and and either students or myself they refer back to the value of the week there was one example where i had a student who was just playing ukulele probably playing remember me or something it's just like oh it kind of like slunk down it's like i can't play it and then his his partner was like hey no grit no pearl and the kid was like okay okay I'll, I'll tr keep trying. And then they kept playing together. And I was like, ah, <laughs> it's working. And there's lots of examples right now. Now this year, students in my um, reverse inclusion, diverse learners music class um, will say, I receive that. Every time I give them an expression of care at the end of the day, I receive that. Because, because that was the first value of the week this year, being able to receive what other people are, are giving to you. So the things pop up organically like that because we've set a consistent rhythm with that. Again, they, they arrive in this space and they know that this is a place where we can let those things that we use, the goodness that we usually hide and actually let that out. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm thinking about, uh, about everything you just said, um, Javier, in the context of what Elena was saying too, where... Um, for them, the idea of um, being able to connect like this class as your classes as an opportunity to connect with yourself. And Elena, correct me if I'm going to say this wrong, but uh, what I took from what you said was like, you know, in these classes, you connect with yourself and it's an invitation, right? Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. That is the basis of everything. It always has to be an invitation. Mm. Which is so beautiful. Like, and then what you were saying, Javier, too, about um, like this being just part of the rhythm of your class uh, and that students know that when they walk in, um, it's like the thing that keeps coming to mind for me is that it's about <laughs> it's like really about humanizing students, not um, like forcing them to be functional in a dehumanizing system. Right. Like which I think, you know, if we if we think about how school reflects an industrial world, like there is something very exploitative about um, having us all live like at the neck up. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, just, just that hmm. I, I'm just, I'm like at a loss of words, but you there's are, something there that yes. I'm like, ah, you are not when, when you participate in the capitalist colonial patriarchy, your full humanity is not invited mm -hmm. to that participation. Mm -hmm. Only, like you said, only your intellect is invited or sometimes only your body is invited mm. because people just need someone who looks like you. Mm -hmm. Rarely is your full 
humanity as your full self invited. So we don't even know how to be our full selves. We graduate from high school and we're like, who, I, who am I? Graduate mm-hmm. from college. I still don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. Because we don't spend time on, on knowing ourselves. Yes. Because it's like everything important is outside. Mm-hmm. But we really need to look in to, to, to find what we're looking for. We're, we're looking everywhere else. Right? It's like the flashlight. You're pointing the flashlight. You're looking for the secret. Where is it? Where is it? Where's my happiness? And you are the light. You are the happiness. You are the joy. Wow, I'm to- I'm totally feeling that um because you it took me a long time to like put myself together. <laughs> so, you know, cuz I I you know, I'm, I'm thinking from a different subject area like science and how mm-hmm. it's so um, you know, the disciplinary aspect of it, where it's like a separation, biology, chemistry, physics, you know, it's the separation and then you, it's subjective. So you can't bring in who you are. Right. And all of that. And so now, you know, I tell, I tell the students now, I said, I, I have to bring my full self into class. I, I can't ignore the fact that I'm a, a black woman. I'm a mother. You know, especially now with the pandemic, I'm yelling at my son doing this calls. You know, and so it's like I feel like a lot of times we do kind of separate our identities um, when we're in classrooms. And I think that I finally, what the pandemic has taught me, and just listening to what you said, it, it gave me time to kind of think about like who I am uh, and what I bring into the space outside of you know teaching science. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I bringing? What kind of energy am I bringing into my my classroom when I come in? And so I yeah. really, I think that, you know, it's important if, if you know, if you uh, take that time that you can help kids kind of, students see that before, like you said, years later, where you finally have mm. to put your multiple identities together and, and appreciate yourself and say that it's okay to talk about Black people and the Black experience um, it's okay to be a mom and talk about your children and not just the subject area teaching and, and, and not even bringing up, you know, any other aspects because you're just supposed to be doing the learning, the learning, the learning, right? So it's kind of like that mm. tunnel vision. And so I just appreciate uh, you saying that. And I think everybody had a chance to slow down, right? We were all forced to slow down. Um, and then it, it gave us time to think. And then we were isolated from each other. So it really gave me time to think about what is bringing me joy, you know, while I'm by myself in the house and and, and and I'm not interacting, all this interaction. You know, like you said, you need that time to like kind of sit back and not all this interaction where you can't even see or think or feel like you said. And I, I think that that's amazing that you kind of give students that chance to do that, uh, you know, before you teach them music. Mm. And maybe while you teach them music too, I don't know. <laughs> Is it both? Like, Javier, do you think, and Elena too, you, I mean, you've taken classes in several different subjects. Do you all think that music is uniquely positioned as a discipline to facilitate this work? Like, do you, or, yeah, I guess that's my question. <laughs> yeah, I think the potential of music is very open. Um, it's something that all humans can connect to, which I think makes it a very powerful, powerful subject for just being able to connect people together, mm-hmm. um, especially because you don't even necessarily have to speak like the same language. Mm-hmm. 
you don't even have to be like the same age or know the same things to play music. You can simply, and you can always start learning as well. You can learn different parts of music and you can learn how to play music. Um, I think there's just so much variety with it. I think in particular, what um, happens with school is that there's this expectation that you have to accomplish something or you always have to be perfect. Um, and even with the way music is taught now, it's definitely gone in that direction, particularly with classical music and studying music in like a traditional college setting. It's very easy to feel like you're not allowed to just make mistakes and treat it like it's something that's a lifelong learning experience. Mm-hmm. Learning how to be human is something that takes your entire lifetime. It's something that you don't really figure out at, like at any stage of your life, really. Um, so I think particularly connecting music to human values, it really emphasizes the fact that our experience is what teaches us the most out of any other teacher that we could possibly mm. have. Mm. And the only person that really knows your life is you because you experience mm. everything that you mm. have. So I think uh, another thing with EHV in school settings is that it emphasizes teaching by being the example. So. Mm. You can't necessarily teach a value that you don't practice yourself, which I think is an important distinction. So, yes. you know, you can't teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't teach love without, you know, being and practicing how to love others yourself. And it, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you have to at least try. Wow, that's, yes. that's definitely powerful. <laughs> yes. Um, to speak to the to the to the music piece as well, um, I. I do think that music moves people. I think that it's an emotional force and emotions is energy in motion so that it moves something in people. This doesn't mean for this practice of human values that you necessarily need to be a musician or write your own songs, which both Elena and I have done. Um, But it can even just be selecting a song. I tell a lot of people, get a, you know, find the songs on YouTube and and that that fit your theme for the week or whatever it is and play that for the Mm -hmm. students. There's so many amazing songs that uplift humanity where I just handed out Here Comes a Thought by Rebecca Sugar from the show Steven Universe, which I think is a very Mm -hmm. human value show. And so once you think, once you start thinking in this way, you start seeing, oh, actually human values are everywhere. Even people who don't practice education in human values, they're teaching human values through their own example of good things. So you don't have to be a musician. You can find things elsewhere and bring them or even having some mood music in the background to help students relax or during a meditation that that music in the background is really wonderful. And then there's the music is just one of the five teaching techniques. So there's just like so so much there that go that goes into it that you really have a chance to express yourself as as a individual practicant of education and human values or as a teacher. Um, there's something about this too that feels very uh, rooted in like kind of a redemptive approach to people and relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, like the idea that you're inviting goodness that you, if you, if you truly adopt the belief that it is in everyone, 
And if you open space and invite that part of folks to show up, um, that feels very, uh, um, it feels very distinct mm. from what has, I think, historically been a really punitive model of approaching behavior in schools. Mm. Um, and yeah, I wonder like, uh, so like that, that's a thought that I'm, that's kind of foregrounding the following question, which is that like, when you open space like this, um, I'm sure it's not rainbows and sunshine at all times. <laughs> like if you really invite people to be their authentic selves, um, like there's some ugly parts of us that are going to show up. There's probably days that both of you were like crabby and not into it or like whatever. Um, or that the, the biggest feeling you had that day was like anger or like annoyance or, you know, the, we have a full spectrum of feelings. So like the, those ones that are typically called negative um, and like the conflict and that can arise from that by virtue of the fact that we're humans and human relationships. Um, I love the idea, Elena, too, that like learning how to be human takes your whole lifetime. So I was like, thank you. I haven't figured it out yet. Yes, <laughs> it's so yes. very validating. <laughs> yes, um, I agree. <laughs> still trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about like that redemptive approach, what that looks like in the classroom, what that's felt like from the student perspective, um, especially knowing that when we show up as our full selves, there will be some parts that other folks don't want to see, you know, and that we don't want to show, you know, what is that? Well, how does that play out in, in y'all's classroom experiences? Mm. Um, yeah, that's, that's really great. That brings me back to Mr. Rogers, who mm. said, if it's human, it's mentionable. And if it's mentionable, it's manageable. Mm. Mm. The problem is not the 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 ne quote unquote negative feeling the problem is the story that we create surrounding that feeling for example the feeling of shame shame is a very natural thing brene brown defines it as the fear of losing community or loved ones and uplifts vulnerability as as the cure um, there's nothing wrong with feeling shame or embarrassment, but what often happens, especially with young people, is we internalize negativity about ourselves. And so the invitation is not to be sunshine, rainbow, happiness all the time. The invitation is to authenticity so that when we're in a moment of heavy feelings, heavy thoughts. We say that's okay. We, we honor that in ourselves. But, but the, the, the trick here is to not make up a story of I'm bad because this, or it's my fault that this, or I, no one likes me because this, or I'm always a failure at this, et cetera, et cetera. Because then that adds layers and story and um, confusion to the equation. And then if someone stays there, that festers and, and, and we can go to a very dark place. So in the process of making that space, that moment for silent sitting, 
for students to look inside. It is for a lot of students a scary moment. I had a um, was working in Waukegan um, doing youth orchestra stuff. Uh, I said, okay, we're going to be silent for 30 seconds. A student told me I can't be silent. And I said, why? Mm -hmm. And they said, because if I'm silent for too long, then the voice in my head starts, starts saying scary things. Mm. And I was so proud mm. of him. And I said, I know exactly what you're talking about. But if we never confront the voice, we can never overcome it. And we won't get better. And then we, ke we kept working together after that. Mm. It is scary to face our own shadows, the parts of us that we don't want to admit, the parts of us that even we are, might not be aware of. But the healing happens when you know that you're more than that. You're deeper than that. The deepest, most healed version of you is this incredible, peaceful, sovereign being that brings love and light wherever they go. So I, I want to ask, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I thought you were finished. No, 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 no. Keep going. That, that, that is it. And then that's just to say that's the invitation. The invitation is show up however you are, feel what you have to feel, but ultimately that, 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 that's not who you are. That, that the feeling or the thought is, is it's always a check engine light to say, what's going on here? Oh, wait, I'm having these thoughts. What's going on here? Look deeper. And when you look deeper, then you can start understanding and start that healing process. You know, and I'm I'm listen as I listen to you. I'm I'm kind of thinking like you know what what you know since you're you probably known around the school. So what what how do you uh, feel? Other teachers feel about this? Not not for like in terms of like as your colleague, but um you know you know I'm I'm thinking to myself. I would be like, oh, he's the feel good. He's the feel good teacher. He makes students feel good about themselves. Oh yeah. Um and so. Um, how do how do your um, colleagues and your you know parents and administrators like do they uh, take to this message of human values like how do how do um they feel about that? It's a great question. Uh, where do I start? I you asked for teachers first, so that one's the probably the biggest range of you know everything from like oh hippy dippy piano you know go <laughs> you know break out the carpet how and... dare they oh my god <laughs> oh my get out the yoga mats here comes piano <laughs> <laughs> um which is fine you know it's, it's that, that that helps me to stay grounded too um laughing at myself then i have teachers who are like man what is piano like giving candy to all the kids like they're all talking you know <laughs> Kids are always talking about piano, blah, blah. And then I have teachers who like, you know, know me a little better and, you know, have asked and, and you know, spent, spent some time with them that it comes, that it's a genuine. I've had people who don't believe me, right? They don't believe that it comes from a genuine place of like care. Mm -hmm. And, you know, am I faking it sometimes? Yes. You know, as a part, a part of being a teacher is being an actor. But for the most part, there are mo the moments that I feel most alive as a teacher is when I'm caring for the needs of my students and, and the other staff members. Um, for, for parents, parents um, see 
transformation in their students. I had, this is a good story. I had a cello student. Uh, it was a spring concert, last concert of the year in orchestra. And I thought this girl hated me. She always was just like very stone faced. I'm like, man, she, she's not into this human values thing at all. Right. And then so at the end of the year, end of the concert, uh, everyone's walking out. Her parent, uh, she comes with her mom and her mom's like, I don't know what you did with my daughter, but she's a completely transformed person now. She's so much more outgoing. She's just like has, you know, <laughs> she's really came into her own this year. So thank you. And that I love that story because it also reminds me that there is. In a way, there's nothing special about me. It's the it's the human values that's the powerful thing. Maybe what's special about me is that I have faith in it because I've seen it work for me. But everyone can do this. Wow. And uh, Elena, do you want to chime in? Like, you know, um, going home and, you know, and after you, you know, been in class with uh, Miss Piano, is that how you say it? Piano, Piano, Piano. Sorry. Um, mm -hmm. What, what, you know, what do you feel like when you got home? How did uh, that kind of help you navigate home and then where you are now in college? I do have to say, I think reflecting on my teenage years, high schoolers and teenage um, age students are so much more emotional than I think they let show on the surface. So being able to have been in a space where it's like it's okay to feel all your emotions you're perfectly valid the way you are i was like ugly crying every single night i think <laughs> after going Aww. home that year just because um you know my home was not necessarily a place where i could show those kinds of things and i think i was the type of person and student that was just very emotional but it didn't have anywhere to go and i know in particular for many students that manifest in different ways, like anger or violence, especially, um, that's a very common one. Um, and then other many mental health issues, which I have gone through quite a bit. Um, and it's it's not easy and it wasn't like fixed. It, it's not something that can necessarily be fixed by anything, let alone human values. But I think just having the support of that, especially in Javier's class was more than enough to at least keep me going and give me some direction the possibility of change was there. Um, being able to play with that was so valuable. And also just feel out my emotions. I think just having a place for it to go was really valuable. But do you feel like in college right now, you know, you said you've been in college for a few years. So how do you feel like um, it's kind of helped you uh, keep yourself centered, you know, um, since you're not at Lane Tech anymore? How, how has it kind of helped you to keep yourself centered on your inner self and how you feel. I think learning about human values, particularly in high school, um, I think I got to deep dive into it a little more than many students do, but even just being able to practice the general things every single day with Javier, like silent sitting, um, you know, singing songs every day, we would have like weekly activities focused on each value for each week. I still automatically do those things even without realizing it throughout my life now. And it always gives me kind of this grounding point to come back to when I've had a really stressful week um, where I'm just like, ah, maybe I should uh, meditate today or like maybe I'll give myself five minutes to just do nothing in this world of always having to do something. So it's it's something that's kind of muscle memory now, I suppose. 
and it just feels right. I can't quite explain it, but it's just something that I just automatically, intuitively know how to do now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, it's also interesting to hear, you know, um, I would I would love to hear like a little bit, let's see, um, I know that you talked about how hard high school is, and I think that is something that, um, it's hard for us educators to hold sometimes, right? Because uh, if you're a high school teacher, you have 150 students, sometimes more. If you're Mr. Payano, maybe, I don't know, you have 200. Like, <laughs> you know, if you're a Dened Pitt physical education teacher, you have like a thousand students, whatever it is. You have a lot of students. And um, uh, and it is a tumultuous time to be an adolescent. And like adolescence is already like <laughs> hard. Um, and... I think what you were talking about, like the real lived messiness that um, comes into our classrooms via our students and like their experiences, um, I, it's like so important to center that. And uh, like being a master teacher, I think involves teaching the students who are in front of you, not the students that you want to be in front of you. Um, yes. But like how, uh, and, and that's also, <laughs> I say, I can say that and also like, <laughs> practicing it question mark really hard um from your perspective like you know uh knowing what you know of having been the student recently in Mr. Pano's class um knowing what you know about what it means to be an adolescent uh, in this time like um yeah how, what were what was it like those days when you were like were was there ever a day that you were just like I'm shut down like I'm not going to do this or like like I don't know where were the messy parts. I'm just thinking about some students that I have that I'm like, oh, how would it go? Like, I don't, <laughs> you know, um, makes me nervous to like yes. pry at that, at that kiddo. Like I want, I want them to feel love and like, I don't know how, you know, it just was, what was that mm-hmm. like from your perspective? Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay. So I, yes, there were many days um, where I would just shut down. Um, and I think even as an adult that, you know, there are days where you're like, I don't really want to be mindful today even though I try, but mm-hmm. um, I think that's perfectly human. It's totally understandable because we're just so exhausted from everything during our daily lives. I think the key is just that it's just for that day. You never know. There's always potential to keep going the next day or even the next day or even maybe five years from now. Um, I think just as a teacher, just being ourselves and just continuing to have something consistent is very powerful in itself because I know that I've had this experience even just from being a tutor in various settings like in high school and college but uh, I would I'll have this experience where it's like I'm not sure if I'm really getting like the message across to like you know the people that I'm trying to help or like I'm not sure if I've actually really helped them and then I've had like a student come back like three years later and it's like I remember what you did like when you tutored us in like high school and you really changed my life. And this is like a couple of years down the line. I know that a lot of teachers have this experience, but you really never know the impact that you have. I think yeah. we just have to keep hoping that mm. what we're doing is changing something. And I'm sure it does. Yes. Mm. And yeah, I have I I have that insecurity of when I'm, you know, going in my low side of just like, man, and Especially, especially when it gets, you know, difficult, you know, you know, difficult things are happening in the school and we're all trying to be safe. 
it, sometimes it's hard to bring uh, that that confidence. So my insecurity is that I'm like somehow forcing something on students who don't want it or are not interested in it. But for me, I always think that's not enough to take it away from the students who are very eager to learn about human values, which mm. there's always a handful. And you're not going to reach everyone. But even if you reach one student in that class, you're not just affecting that student, you're affecting that student's family and, and their children and their children's children and their children's children. Mm -hmm. And and yeah. when a when a friend helped me to see that, uh, then that helped me with my confidence. And then I had this I had a student who just like the whole year was like, nope, nope, not doing that. Nope, not going to do that. Nope. And then um, I, I saw them at graduation. They were leaving and then they stopped at graduation. They're like, Miss Bayana, thank you for all the human values. You know, so you just. So sometimes that student that you think they're never gonna they're never gonna go for this human value stuff you never know they might be the one that needs it the most you might you might be the only person in that student's life saying you've made today an amazing day just by you being you there's no one like you in the whole world and i like you just the way you are Wow, that that's a, that's amazing, and I, and I I'm just been listening to both of you, um, talk about you know just being able to dig deep and and see your own humanity, and I just you know I just remember you know when they were like you know we're gonna do this work action, and and I and I struggled um, with it, you know um, I'm like well I, I have these students and I've developed these relationships. And we've already had this tough time and I just really want to teach, you know, and I'm struggling with the teaching of it. And then I'm like, but I still I know that something's probably going to happen, but I got to prepare the students for it. So then you like you said, you're keeping that straight face, you know, and trying to get the students galvanized to learn. But then you're also in that struggle, internal struggle with yourself about, you know, what 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 should be right and, you know, what should we do and and how it's going to impact everyone, all of the stakeholders. And so I think that sometimes you do have to acknowledge those moments in your life and just, you know, do go through it, um, like you said, but, you know, still do the human values, go through it, but then you have to release yourself and say, you know mm -hmm. what, this was a tough ass day. <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> and, so, mm -hmm. and what, you know, I'm yes. not going to keep acting like, you know, I'm okay with all of that's happening. And so I just think I got that day, I think it was Tuesday night, after my classes, my last class, they made it really tough. Um, and they were just mm -hmm. really mopey about it. And so I was just <laughs> like, oh, my God. You know, and so then after I left them, I tried to, like, figure out a way to help them to understand what was happening. But then it's like I, I just remember going to my car and just crying mm. and just letting it all out. Because I think that that's what you have to do. You're like you were saying, Celeste, in, the, in these tough times, we, we have to acknowledge that there are a lot of moving pieces and then we have to like take time to just say, you know what, all of this is bad. And like you said, name it and be like, this is fucked up. <laughs> What's happening. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and that's messed up and I have no control over it, but I still have control over myself. And so I need to like really take care of myself and be thinking about like how this stuff is impacting me. And, I, and when you said that, it just made me think about those moments where, you know, as a teacher, you're struggling 
to you know figure out how to bring it all together and and um and still be authentic right and be up you know and be in the moment with the students um and so i think that the authenticity piece um that you um both have talked about that that's really 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 important um so students can be you know they'll say well what do you think <laughs> and will you tell them what you really think or how you really feel right um i think that that goes that speaks volumes to you letting students in and that they see who you are as a person too so and and just to give some context to what you were saying Nina, because with that moment you just named is really important and people outside Chicago might not know what you're talking about like the the work action where um you know at, at the height of Omicron we were we as a union voted to uh to try to work remotely um to teach our students remotely to keep everyone safe or keep people safe as possible and to reduce uh, transmission and then we were we knew we have a vindictive mayor and we were locked out and so that like what you're talking about that like that global understanding of what what you know to be true in the world, what you know to be right, and like also the immediate impact that your students are gonna feel, and like, yeah, that that's it was it was really... so it was something else, and then, you know what also it did like it's not like being on a strike, right? It's totally different from a strike. It was mm -hmm. a work action, mm -hmm. and so since it was that, and I had never been like I felt like I got my my identity as a teacher got stripped away right so mm -hmm. you you log in I sent an email to myself to see if it would have come back and it's like it's not there like I, I don't exist as a teacher you know mm -hmm. and that was just something to really deal with so that's that's an emotional toll right and so I think as teachers we we all have to like acknowledge that and be like this is and then your intellectual work is on that drive right so all of your mm. stuff is housed in that drive and so you're just like all me as a teacher is like stuck in this system and we're stuck and we're battling this system and then they they get to decide if i'm going to be a teacher or not because they they they're making those decisions right and so i i think that that was really something so thank you celeste for like naming that moment because i really i wasn't feeling good about it at all like i was really mm -hmm dealing with that emotion of that they have that power to just turn me off with a switch on Google, right? It's like, bam, it's gone, you know? And so that was really something. And, and so, it's, um, yeah. And then say terrible things about teachers. <laughs> and then you, you know, at one point, I was just like, stop sending me tweets. Stop sending me things that the mayor is saying because it's dehumanizing. Yeah. It and, is, and it was. And it, it really, truly that's what our students go through every day. Yes, they do, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, just do your work. You know, I, I was thinking about mm -hmm. it because that's what everybody's saying. Teachers go to work. But then you're in class as a teacher. Students do your work. You know, so it's like, mm -hmm. what are we, we what messages are we sending, right? Um, we're mm -hmm. like packing it on. And I just read before I came in, uh, uh, North uh, Side Prep, College Prep, they were like, hey, teachers we gotta students. like slow this down yeah. Yeah, the students were like this has been crazy hey everybody it's crazy um so we need to slow this down we need to not have these final exams that are just putting the weight of the world on us we need mm -hmm. for y'all to kind of think about that right um mm -hmm. just like we're thinking about being safe what about the academic stress that is causing and i really think that that's really critical that Every stakeholder that's involved that's been beat up over the last couple of weeks, um, and not that we aren't beat up all the time, 
But it's like, this was like really heavy. This is definitely a totally different uh, scenario, so. Um, Elena, I wonder if you can speak a little bit to just like, yeah, how how it is, you know, we have this cycle of teachers being dehumanized. I really think they pass that on to the students. Have you, did you feel that? I, in a way, yes, but I don't think it's from the teachers, if that makes sense. I know that you and I have talked about this, but it is so difficult to have to still be a part of the system, especially this, you know, system of like, education that was basically built on models from colonization, essentially. Um, you know, we can't change an entire system overnight. It takes time. And we still have to live in all of these grays and in-betweens while we do that, even though we want the change to happen very like now. And there are things that we can do now to try and steer in that direction. And there are definitely models of education that attempt to just completely erase all of those things, like, and build something new. But I think it has to be, um, there just, I think there just needs to be more time. We just have to keep doing what we're doing. And um, I think eventually it'll, it'll be here. Um, and I'm trying to think there is something else too that I had in mind about it. But as long as we have just ourselves here, we know who we are. We are all teachers and we have so much to give to other people. Um, it's so hard not to get attached to all of these things like, you know, systems and just education and all of these titles. But at the end of the day, you all are teachers, you know what you're doing, your students love you a lot. And ultimately, um, we can change things together. Thank you so um, much. Thank you so much. And and I want to say for people who can't see you, when you said, um, as long as we're here, you pointed to your heart. Um, and I think people who are listening need to know that because like, yes. that's not what's gets centered all the time in our schools. Um, and it's really important. And as we talk about this, like, kind of exploitative context that we're all struggling our way through to try to humanize ourselves and each other. Um, we like to kind of close out our conversations by trying to humanize the people who we learn from and just learn like what, what, what you all do to take care of yourselves. Um, what do you do to keep yourself going as a full person outside of the capital W work? Um, like, how do you, how do you like, uh, yeah, how do you put this into practice in your own, for your own person? Yes. Um, and for, for my own personal practice, the way I take care of myself is, you know, and, and I guess I could say more morning ritual because in the morning I get this nervousness when I wake up that, I, you know, when I'm about to go to school, not every day, but that's been a historic thing. And I need this moment in the morning to basically align with my true identity, with who I really mm. am and not mm. get mired in, in the, the details of, am I doing this right? Am I doing that wrong? Because just that que that questioning yourself creates more insecurity and doubt. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to make a choice and we're going to see what happens and then I'll make another choice. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Completely different. But in order to get to that place, I need to sit in the morning 
and do what I've been calling presence practice, which is to try as much as possible to stop the non <laughs> never ending stream of thoughts entering my mind so that I can go into my body. Um, the technique that I've been working on this week with students is a heart check-in. So putting your hand over your heart and either tapping your heart and saying all is well, or caressing your heart, or even, you know, if you're on the bus or whatever, you don't want to freak people out. You just <laughs> breathe and imagine your heart area and like you're breathing into your heart area. Um, and this just helps me to remember a couple of key things of, yeah, I am a CPS teacher. I'm a music teacher. I'm a husband. I'm a brother. But deeper than all of that, I am this pure creative energy in this universe that wants to create incredible and beautiful things, you know, and, and everyone is that. So, so I need, uh, no, there's no need to feel lonely, insecure, uh, anxious, embarrassed, because we're all the same family. And that, and that's, I try as much as possible to do that before walking in, into the school, because that's how I can really show up as my fully human self. Um, and then I've noticed that there is this life-giving work that I'm doing with the Human Values Collective and the Human Values Club, which is extending spaces for people to practice being fully human in this way through practicing human values, whether that's students, teachers, parents, administrators, counselors, social workers, many people from different walks of life have showed up um, to just have a way to practice. And uh, I won't say that this is the only way to practice humanity, but for me, it was the perfect way. And it was a perfect way to bring it into my classroom as well. Um, so that's, uh, that, that's um, a work that I really love. And at, going along with the practice guides uh, that we create, that we send out in a newsletter to our community so that no matter where people are, they can practice. Um, not just not just in my classroom, but uh, whoever is interested can have access to that. I don't think that we're going to let you get out of here without mentioning your own podcast, Mister. Um, can you just <laughs> yes, tell folks the title? We'll definitely link this information in our show notes. But can you tell folks the title of your podcast if yes. you listen? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, the podcast is called the Human Values Podcast, and you can find it on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are downloadable. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, Elena, do you want to talk a little bit about how you keep yourself whole, how you keep yourself going, what that looks like? Yeah. Um, I've tried many different things, but there's this one quote that comes to mind uh, that's really embracing just my general experience right now, especially uh, because of how things have changed in the last um, couple of years with the pandemic and everything. But trying to find joy in like the ordinary things that I have in my everyday life. I think there is a quote where it's like, find joy in the ordinary and the extraordinary will take care of itself. Mm. Um, but um, what that kind of translates to in terms of like practical things, I've been learning how to cook my own food. So that's been fun. Mm. Um, you know, learning how to bake bread and uh, really know what's 
I'm consuming um, in terms of what I put into my body has been really cool. And I think just taking things one day at a time with that is really wonderful. Um, trying to find things outside of music, because, you know, as someone studying music in college, um, it can feel like the only thing that I do and um, be the only thing that defines me, even though that it's not. So just trying to find new hobbies like gardening and just being open, just trying everything, really. Yes, try everything. That's what I told mm. people. Try everything. Mm. Um, and that thank y'all for yes. um sharing that. I mean, I'm I'm like, I wanna be in Elena's class. Yeah. I wanna be in Javier's <laughs> class. I need to be sitting with y'all so I can center myself. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and uh, I'm just excited. I'm really mm. like really thinking about all of this. Um and it's I, I'm I, I know because, you know, a lot of times as a, a science teacher, it's, it's really hard for me to like, you know, um, there's so much that, you know, I want to teach my stu- students and talk about. But I know that sometimes I, I'll forget to do the, you know, the feel, I call it the feel good stuff. Yes. <laughs> and so, and so um, I, I'm really like going to be thinking about how I could um, incorporate this. Um, that's, that's great. Yeah. Uh, in my lessons. Yeah. So that my students could at least, you know, I'm 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 kind of like um, what they call a warm demander, and so I'm I'm demanding excellence, mm. but I also have uh, compassion, you know, yes. for for students. Um, but sometimes, you know, the demand gets a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I have to like really that. pull myself back. Um, yeah, but yeah, offer, I'm, I'm really feeling it. Can I offer if you want to get started? If anyone wants to get started. The most simplest thing you can do is pick a value and a thought of the week and just write it on the board. Um, Nina, give me a give me a human value. Oh, I'm gonna challenge, live challenge. <laughs> give me a human value. Um, um now that you're trained in human values, Nina. <laughs> Right. You know, I you know, I, I really um when you were talking about Bob Marley and mm. you were talking about um freedom, you know, and, and that mental freedom, uh, that that's the one that I'm really kinda thinking about because um I, I I've been like kinda thinking about um so so freedom would be my mind mm. because um I've been researching about um um Martin Luther King Jr., um, beloved community, and how he said that, you know what, you know, we we are in this nonviolent fight, but after the nonviolent fight is done, what do we need to be working mm-hmm. on? And he said the beloved community where love transcends and, you know, we're working together to create a society, you know, where we all can live and, and, and prosper, you know, and so that's not a like a direct quote, but I would say, you know, mine, you know, is is probably going to be freedom um, and mental freedom, right? Because separating it out, like you said, pointing to that and saying mm. that this is messy and this is what's happening here, but we need to live with, acknowledge that, but this is what we have to do together mm. uh, in this space, right? To survive this system um, as we learn to dismantle it. So it's yes. like, you know, I really feel like the freedom... Uh, piece with uh, you, I know you said Bob Marley, but but I couldn't get you said Bob Marley said who who was this Marcus Garvey. the Marcus emancipation Garvey. Marcus Garvey yeah and so I feel like a lot of the history 
you know, that we don't get to kind of learn about, you know, Marcus Garvey, Malcolm X, Charles Drew, all of those people, and even Fred Hampton, right? Mm -hmm. yes. We don't get to learn about them because I feel like their message it is it, it, so needed right now, mm -hmm. right? And um and, and it will if we would have listened to them back then, we would be so far as a society. Mm. And so I, I feel like freedom is definitely would be the one mm. that I kind of bring to my class. Yes. And I'll probably um yes. find this, you know, quote from Marcus Garvey. Yes. And uh and talk about that because it is mental. Like, why are you, you know, what's going on in, in, in this class? Like, what are you feeling about this class? And how do you feel as a student? Like, how do you, you know, when you show up in this class, like, how do you feel? Um, mm. Do you feel like you you have that mental freedom to, like, be yourself um, and to learn um, and learn from other people? And so I feel like laying that groundwork, that'll be something that, you know, I kind of think about and uh, in, in, in using yes. uh, in my class. So thank you're, you. Thank you. You're, for already, the, you're already doing it. You're, I already see the it. Moment. Yeah. And the, 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 the quickest way to start then would be. You show up on Monday and you just write on the board, freedom, and then thought of the week, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. And don't even say anything to the students. Just leave mm, it on the okay. board. I, yes. And then I promise. Yes, they'll ask, right? Wow, this is wonderful. Why are you writing that on the board? Is that you're writing on the board there? Hmm. You know, maybe a couple of weeks go by. But then I think that what you said nine is important if we don't make it systematic we're gonna forget to do it so for me i've never been more consistent with anything in my life <laughs> besides human values because it it was the the program is in such a way where oh i i pick one value each week and i just write it on the board and even if i forget everything else on monday i say hey we're practicing freedom this week here's the thought of the week let's say it together one two three emancipate yourself from mental slavery good okay open your books to page whatever that's like the wow, bare minimum awesome. but we still took 30 seconds to acknowledge humanity and that's enough yeah. and then you see it on the board every day and you're like oh yeah let me do a little more today and mm -hmm. there you, you know and then yeah. you just keep growing organically from there whatever makes sense for your classroom yeah and I, and that's what i feel like I, I need to do because i feel like you know all of the disruptions and students going in and out quarantining i feel so disconnected mm -hmm. um and normally at this time of year this is where I, you really get your momentum as a teacher and you feel like your students y'all finally kind of figured each other out and you're working together mm -hmm. and so I, I just feel like you know this will probably help me to build that relationship with them again um that we had so Thank you so much. I appreciate it. your service. <laughs> Thank you both um, for this conversation. It's just rich. Um, ugh, yeah, I was really feeling tired before we started talking. And now I'm like, ah, I got to go journal. Like, you know, like or whatever. It's what I do with my Friday nights. Woo! Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, thank yes. you both so much. This was really beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for having yes. us. Yes, thank you so this much. Wow. Wonderful. And I was just like a music teacher. I remember just Celeste was like, the music teacher, he's gonna come in. <laughs> like a music teacher. You know, and that's and you know, because I had music and I, you know, I play and so I'm like, what is this music teacher gonna have? Oh my god, you're a phenomenal. <laughs> so I can't thank wait. You. I, I, I wanna, you know, definitely 
uh, I'm gonna have to get your information from Celeste because yes. we. I, I need. I need you in my life. <laughs> uh, you ain't getting rid of me I now, Nina. Mm. Yes, <laughs> we yes. Found each other. You too, Elena. Because um, yes. I really feel like you know what you're saying. It's a lot of students, you know, that feel that way, and they just chugging on and chugging on, and and then the household situation, like you said, this expectation is there. And they're like, well, well, go do what you're supposed to do, you know. And so I, I just think that that's that's a good thing. Yes. Uh, and so hopefully uh, we can all connect yes. uh, again outside of uh, this uh, meeting here. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Pushing Praxis, Dialogues for Transforming Teaching. And thank you, Miles Kamiski, music educator and artist extraordinaire for our theme music. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we encourage you to like and share this content with your community. Follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email us at pushingpraxis at gmail.com. Check out our website at pushingpraxis.org.